Jackson, welcome to episode 9 of What the Football, the podcast that will never hold a Venga out sign. Joining me today is Dan Haswell from South Africa and Con Taylor from Australia. Today we're going to be focusing primarily on the big announcement by Arsene Wenger that he will be stepping down at the end of this year. But before we get to that, we are going to kick off with everybody's favourite segment, What the Football Trivia. Yes, our favourite trivia segment is back. Dan Haswell, what do you have for us today? Okay, well, seeing it as it was an, an FA Cup weekend, I thought we'd go something along that lines. And it's a it's a double header this week, so it's a it's a two point question. The first being, how many FA Cup titles has Arsene Wenger won? And the second point being, how many consecutive semi-finals have Tottenham now lost? <laughs> I like it, I like it. Okay. That's... I think I may have this one. Yeah, but you always say that. <laughs> <laughs> i got to come into this confident every week. <laughs> Okay, listeners, have a list, have a think about that one, and we'll get back to you with the answer later on in the show. But moving right along, as I mentioned, this is going to have an Arsene Wenger focus because earlier this week, Arsene announced that he will be stepping down as Arsenal manager at the end of the season. So at the time of him saying that, he basically only had five Premier League matches left, and now he's only got four. And well, for four guaranteed matches, I guess if you include the, uh, is that including the Euro or is that just Premier League? I need to get my facts straight on that one. Uh, well, you have you'll have two semi-finals. That's for certain. Yeah, and the four league games. Yeah, and he happened to win this one overnight. His first one, four-one against West Ham, which was a good start to his end. So, guys. What I want to ask is, one, what do you think were the mechanics behind this decision? And then, and, and, then, and, then I, and then we will go into his career and what legacy that we think he's left. So, Well, hang on, Pat. Come. Oh, wait, wait. You, you're, sitting on yes. the, you're sitting on the fence. You're the Arsenal fan of the trio today. I think I, that's the one time I actually agree with Dan. Pat, you may have to uh, <laughs> yeah. lead us into lead us down the path, mate. <laughs> Let's put it this way, Pat. Let's say he has a barnstorming into the season and he wins the Europa League, including all the remaining league games. I take it you quite you quite okay with him going. But how would you feel then? I think I've maintained all season, well, all second half of the season when the league was shot, that he had to win Europa to keep his job. Yeah. And I would have thought that if he won the Europa and qualified for Champions League, he would have done enough to see out the second year of his contract. I think him going early is, to me, that, that means he was pushed. I don't think he would have readily accepted giving up his second year off his off his own bat so I think he must have been pushed and they gave him that they gave him the chance to go out gracefully I am a bit disappointed that he wasn't given the chance to save it but obviously the management decided that not even winning Europa isn't good enough we've gone downhill uh, fairly strongly the last couple of years and we haven't we haven't got better than a third place since I think 2004 five, six season. Okay, we, we, we did get a second um, a few years ago in the 2015-16, but that was sort of when everyone else fell over in front of us and Tottenham choked it up at the end. I think everyone sort of acknowledged that possibly wasn't a strong second. So it's it's been a long time since since we've tasted sustained league success. Um, yeah, so, so, so I think the mechanics of it were that 
he was pushed and given the chance to go out gracefully and thankfully he accepted and it at least gives gives the fans time to pay respect to him over that last month of football, especially those that have been utterly disrespectful in holding up Wenger out, Wenger out banners and <laughs> protesting at stadiums and organising walkouts. I mean, there, there is a classy way to be disappointed in your team, but there is a utterly dis- disrespectful way of doing that. And, and while I think it will be hypocritical for those guys to start applauding him for the last four games, I hope they do. Um, uh, yeah, so so that, that that's my thought, thoughts on the mechanics behind. I don't know if either of you guys think that he was went out on his own free will. Yeah, it seems like behind the scenes, there's definitely more than than meets the eye to this one. Uh, and I think Wenger's come out. He said he'll say more at a later stage. So I think we're going to have to wait at the end of the season, or possibly in the next year or so when he comes out with his autobiography or something like that there'll definitely be there'll definitely be more to the story um, yeah there was definitely a meeting with the board um, he's always maintained that he wants he wanted another season so it would be st- strange as you say now for him to suddenly go back on that yeah, yeah I think I agree with you guys actually I think that was telling Dan that he did say he'll tell more at the end of the season. Uh, I mean, if it, everything was simple for him to explain, then he would have said it now. Yeah. What was also interesting was that he sort of made a, a press, he had a press statement on his own. And then Gazidis, who's the, the, the chairman, I think, also had a, had a, had a separate statement. Which was a bit different, you know. If, if it's one of these mutual things, there's usually a combined statement. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And <clears throat> and you asked me if I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. I'm not delighted. I'm sure there'll be some Arsenal Arsenal fans dancing in the streets tonight. But it's, I mean, for me, it opens up a massive can of worms it opens up a potential slippery slide down to manager after manager and where we are finishing mid-table because because let's let's face it there's not many clubs in the history that have had the relative success that we've had over the last 20 years since he's been at the helm i mean 22 years of finishing fourth or above is is an amazing record and that stability is something that I think a lot of fans take for granted and don't understand what's going to happen when we get, let's say, a Brendan Rodgers who potentially finishes sixth or seventh in his first year. Is he going to get the sack? <laughs> and then, and then, and then who do we go after that? Do we bring in Moyes? Do we, you know what I mean? I don't think we'll ever bring in Moyes, but, but <laughs> where is now the, the pass rate for the next manager? Is the next manager going to give, going to get time to rebuild? And, and is it potentially, going to be a dangerous few years for us. I mean, we could get a manager completely stuff it up. I mean, if we go back to the end of the George Graham era, 93, 94, he finished finished 10th and 4th in those two years before he was given the exit door by Arsenal, and we got in Bruce Rioch for a year. And and Bruce Rioch, I think he he was on a hide into nothing, really. He had an aging bunch of guys who were used to success. He was trying to change it up a bit. But we finished 12th that year. And that 12th, and I was actually surprised it was that high, actually, I because I was worried about us getting relegated that year. And I went back last night and I had a look through the record book. And, and I was right to be worried. That 12th was a, was a false 12th. We were only two games clear of Crystal Palace who got relegated that year. So we, we could have been relegated into 1994-95 season. And... Bruce Rioch, are we going to get another Bruce Rioch who tries to do something a bit different? It's, the players don't respond, and and we are actually mid-table, maybe dragged into this relegation fight because we don't realise what a good job Arsene Wenger actually has been doing. So that that is my worry. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, Pat, that I think your your sort of thoughts seem to sum up a general Arsenal feeling of what you you know read from media and. 
watching on on the TV, and that just seems the Arsenal fan base in general has has come to terms with it. As you said, there are those who wanted them out, but even those who who wanted Wenger and have seemed to, have seemed to to come to terms with it and are prepared to accept it. But I think it's that it's that unknown that is unsettling. Uh, there are certain similarities, of course, with with uh, United's changeover a couple of seasons ago. Um, and I think that, that adds to the uncertainties amongst supporters. Uh, I think especially there, there'd be some Arsenal supporters who haven't really known another manager. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that's it's the uncertainty. And I think that's the interesting one because Wenger, when he was appointed, was a totally, it's not even a left-field appointment you know who was this guy? He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He, he hadn't managed in the Premier League. He wasn't even managing in Europe. You know, um, so I think up to the board to show the same sort of vision they did at at that stage. Although this is a completely different uh, board that's composed at Arsenal now. So who knows what they're thinking? Yeah, and and well, what I want to but before I get on to the next point, Con, what what are your thoughts on Arsene Wenger leaving the job? Do you think it's time? Yeah, look, there was a couple of points you both raised there that um, I may have differing opinions on and I would like to share them. But I thought the first point you said, you said um, sort of over the last 20 years or 10 years, Pat, that, um, you know, Probably more important is the last 10 years where you said sort of he's achieved a success, you know, suppose constantly finishing in the top four. I don't know if I would garnish that personally as success. I, I, I agree that it's his form stability in ensuring that you guys get into the top four. If you ask me in, in 10 years, if Klopp was around, if finishing in the top four and winning the odd FA Cup here and there was success, um, I don't know if I'd be happy, personally. Um, I think, you know, Wenger's last great thing that he had done was um, obviously winning the title in that invincible season. Um, I'm not trying to take away anything from what he's what he did. I just feel like the last 10 years, the club hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, and it's actually showing now in the last couple of years, and probably this year, the, the most damning statement... Uh, you know, down there in six, trying to fight off Burnley to just, you know, finish in that top six, so to speak. So, success over the last 10 years, I wouldn't really classify it as as that. Um, I think the situation is completely different to the United one. I was I was trying to link it to what, when Ferguson had left and thought, yeah, it's very similar. I think the only similar thing to when Fergie left is the fact that the 10 years are, are not far off. And it was a, a man, you know, managing a club for an extended period. Um, I think it's completely different to the Ferguson era in that Ferguson left when United were probably at the top. Um, they didn't look like dropping. They had just come off a league title and won a few other things in the, in the preceding years before that and were always, always competing in that period. Whereas at Wenger... You know, you said it yourself that that second finish a couple seasons ago, that wasn't anything to be excited about when you considered the circumstances. Um, you know, I don't think him leaving um, changes anything in terms of the success you talk about. What it may affect is the stability of where they were finishing over the last few years. Uh, but in terms of Arsenal as a club, I think it's it's the right decision. Whether he, he was pushed, I think he probably needed to be pushed, if you ask me, to actually leave, because I don't think he was going anywhere anytime soon. You did speak about if he left, you know, if he won the Europa League or um, had a strong finish that potentially he'd see out the second year. But then my question comes is what happens in the second year if he, if he did do something? Um, then nothing changes. Does he get an extension on his contract and we go in the circle again? So I think the time had to come where he had to eventually leave. And I think it's a good thing for Arsenal that they made the decision now where, you know, you are in that sixth position. So for me, 
I think it's the right decision and a good one for Arsenal as a whole. He should be he should be sent out on a high, given the tenure and what he's done. But um, I think it's the right decision overall for the club and where you guys actually want to go, wherever that might be. Okay, Con, you mentioned you're not too happy with the last 10 years. So what do you think his legacy will be? I think it'll be one that will be remembered for what he did in his early years. I think he's kind of tarnished his... To an extent, he has tarnished his, his legacy um, with probably these last 10 years and some of the decisions he's made. You know, some of the stuff that's come out over the last few years around his thinking and in, especially within the media, I suppose, and the, the mockery that's become, he's become this funny caricature in the last 10 years um, with these stupid signs that were appearing at, at cricket matches and on protests, someone holding up a Venga outside and it just became a bit of a, a running joke. So I think he'll be respected. I think the, the Arsenal fans will try or the ones that, um, you know, like probably yourself and a few others will, will try to remember the good times. I think I, re- I read an, a, uh, a write-up the other day on someone saying, and it seems to be the common theme, that they will remember the times that were good under Wenger. And he did a lot of good in those first few years. Um, so I think his legacy will be remembered for what he did at the start, and people will quickly try and forget uh, um, sort of that, that the end. I think the more likely is where they'll be reminded of it will be from, you know, fans away from Arsenal that might try to crack a joke here and there. But I think overall he has to be respected. As a as a Liverpool supporter, I respect what Arsene Wenger did. Those first, you know, eight to ten years were phenomenal. He was a manager that revolutionized the game, especially in England and the way that it was played. So he'll always be respected by you know, I can only speak from myself, but from myself. Um, but I, I do think there will be that bitter taste that forever lingers towards the end. Um, but people should focus on, on those first few years and, and what he achieved. And it, and it was the first 10 years, really, and what he achieved. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll pass that over to Dan now, because during those first 10 glory years, the finger glory years, I'll call them, did, I mean, Manchester United were the big rival. Yeah. And and main and a lot of that was Jose in there. What 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 is your thoughts and where and where do you think Arsenal uh, the Arsene Wenger legacy will lie and be remembered as? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, interesting one to think about. I think you know when you talk about legacies and what someone done, then you got to look at you got to look at the whole the whole period and and the different contexts in which things happened uh, because there were very different contexts. I think when he came in in the, in the mid '90s, uh, English football was was very different in a different place to what it is now, in that um, English teams had been isolated from Europe in the '80s, and that only ended in 1990, I think. Um, so they were still coming out of that period. Um, for example, teams only had, I think it was maximum of three players from outside of the United Kingdom in those days uh, and that also only fell away in the early 90s so even the influx of European players into the league was new at that stage in terms of English teams um, and continental competition I think it was only United won a Cup Winners Cup in 92 I think it was so between 90 when their isolation ended to you know 95 96 English club football was certainly not a, a force on the European stage. I just jump in and say Arsenal won one in '93, '94 Cup Winners' Cup. Cup Winners' Cup. Okay, sorry. So there were those. There were those two. So that was that was George Graham, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's why I say he came. He came in. He came into a very a very changing landscape. And as Con said, he was revolutionary in that way. He bought. Uh, ways of thinking he bought it's been all over about the different diet and nutrition nutrition uh, ideas um, he obviously had an extensive network of scouts um, especially in terms of 
of France. I mean, French football at that stage was booming. They were about to host the World Cup in 98. They'd had the Clairefontaine Academy, which had uh, been training youngsters. So there were a lot of French players available that he obviously uh, got to come in at Arsenal. You know, when you look at the Pires and Vieira, uh, who were the others, Petit. Um, so that was how, so that was the context of which he came in. Um, and I think what, what, what can be said though is that as what, as what happens in a competitive environment in any sport or industry is that then your competitors catch up. Um, which they did after a decade or so. Um, and then for various reasons, he just seemed not able to now in the second, in the second decade to, to evolve those ideas, um, which was the difference, mm. the difference probably between him and Ferguson is that Ferguson was able to rebuild teams and maintain at the top throughout his, throughout his tenure, um, with United. Um, obviously Arsenal moving, moving to the Emirates Stadium did hamper him somewhat in terms of finances because then again the context changed because he had Roman Abramovich came in at Chelsea so they were big money uh, you know suddenly it wasn't United and Arsenal who were the only big two it was Chelsea who was involved um, and then of course the massive ownership deals happened at the various other clubs you know Man City Liverpool suddenly everybody had money um, and again he just he just didn't seem to to keep up with what with what was going on, um, so it's ironic in that situation in that he comes in at at an Arsenal team that was sort of just off just off being one of the top teams in the league, and it seems like he's going to leave them being just off one of the top teams in the league. Um, that that just seems to be the ironic plot twist that he's he's living out. Yeah, I think that's a really, you've summarized that really well. And that's one of my main issues when I think back on his success as a manager is that he didn't have that second innovation phase yeah. to actually adjust to people catching up because, yeah, I mean, he was ahead of the game. They caught up to him. They got ahead of him. And then it's almost as though, I mean, it actually got, a, got to be a bit of a joking point in the, in the, uh, with Arsenal fans because he was actually, he actually seemed, very resistant to change over this last 10 years and he was very much set in his ways very stubborn yeah. he would only ever make a substitute at the 72 minute mark of every game even even if we were, the game was crying out for something at the 30 minute mark yeah. and just little things like that he had his set ways of doing his, his set formations and it was breath of fresh air when he actually tried to tried to play five at the back towards the end of last year um, to just to try something different and, and, and the players seemed a bit revitalised by it and they actually went on a bit of a a good run then for a little while, but but for that, for someone that was so innovative at the start, he became so uninnovative towards the end, and and that was really disappointing. And and it does make you wonder if, no, I mean, two things crop into my mind. It's was he only was Arsenal only as good as they were in from '97 onwards because <coughs> of the players that he brought in. Or because of the tactics that he wanted them to play. I mean, it could be both, but you mentioned some of the players, and we, we, we often all forget about the Dutchman in terms of Bergkamp and Overmars. Uh, yeah. He didn't actually bring in Bergkamp. That was Rioch the year before, but he, he had yeah. Bergkamp in the team. He brought in Mark Overmars. Yeah. And he also, he also had the best defence in the league just sitting there for him. So that's one thing he didn't have to change. And, and listen, with bringing in that, that front five or six who were just absolute guns are probably better than anything else going around in England anyway. Did that just, and, that, and then you, then you forget that he brought in Nicholas and Elka a couple of years later. Then he brought in Thierry Henry. Yeah. So he basically brought in the best French players, a couple of the bench Dutch, best Dutch players. And mate, could, could I manage that club and have pretty good success? I mean, that was an amazing team. So, so the fact that he was unable, once the chips were down, to repeat that success when other teams had the same sort of players, yeah, makes me makes me question 
how good a tactician and innovator he actually was. I mean, you mentioned the the other the the off the ground type of type of stuff, the 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 fitness, the ta- the, the uh, uh, just stretching. He put stretching to English football. It seems silly, but yeah. basically, but basically, that in the Tony Adams days, Tony Adams used to he before Wenger came, he used to walk off the field, go over beer, and that was his <laughs> his his post match routine and uh and and uh, i remember coming over to england when during those those early 90s and i was amazed because we've got a sport in australia called australian football which some of you probably think is pretty bohemian <laughs> um but but listen we were well ahead of soccer or the english english football league yeah um where we were already doing all the stretching all the diet all that all that pre-game warm-ups that type of thing I, when i went to england i was shocked that they didn't do it and I remember then going over to, to Europe and Italy and I saw that they, they were doing it. And I'm going, wow, I didn't realize, I thought England would be ahead of the game, but they're well behind the game in a lot of, in a lot of areas. And, and yeah, funny, funny, he brought stuff like stretching and that was seen, seen as revolutionary. So he brought all that European influence over. Um, and then, and then the, the other great point you touched upon, Dan, was when all the money came into it. And, and when all the big clubs, when the Man City, Chelsea, and even Manchester United were spending a lot of money, we were pouring it into our stadium. And, and that really, and that was at that mid 2000s. And, and that was a big setback for Arsenal. It, and because the game really changed it because of the TV rights came in and it also made, yeah. it almost made the fact that having a big ground and getting Getting gate, getting gate tickets, is not the big deal anymore. Yeah, it, because it, it made it a minor thing. So we wasted four or five years of, of replenishing the squad and getting the best players in, to build the stadium, which at the end didn't matter that much because the right tele- television rights gave everyone the most money anyway. So, and and then by that stage we were third, fourth, or fifth, in the league, and we were behind the big two or three, in terms of squad and therefore and that becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because then players want to go to the big clubs and the best player will choose sure. the best club not the third or fourth best club and so that really hurt him in the middle there and i don't know i don't know if if it's harsh to rate him because of that over the last 10 years because that was really a big impact or you go well hang on that was part of his design and he managed that club during that period he wanted that and therefore he's got to Take the good with the bad. Sure. Pat, well, yeah. Pat I have a – sorry, Dan. Go I on. just have one question for you because you, you just very quickly, yeah, you spoke about in the early years and the players he brought in and identified. And I have I have one question for you. In those early years, those players that came in, Thierry Henry, Vieira, I wouldn't classify them that they were at the top of their game when they came into Arsenal. I mean, it's a known fact that Wenger, you know, converted Henry into a raw winger. I'm sorry, from a raw winger into a, a probably the greatest uh, striker the Premier League's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few of the other players, you know, were, were there and thereabouts. Was there any change in, in the scouting mechanisms that were done after that crop of players left? Because it, to me, it appears that the players that came in after that last sort of invincible squad that he, he built, um, the dynamics sort of changed. It was... He tried to identify those young players again, which seemed to be his philosophy over time, and and I suppose turn them into these world beaters, which never quite happened with anybody else that he he really brought in from that period. So, did anything change within Arsenal the way the players were identified, or or, or did, did the actual positions of the personnel of the, the scouts that he had in in those positions change? Was there something that that ultimately uh, created that shift? Into, into what we see now of, of the players at Arsenal that don't compare to what they had before? I, I don't think anything changed. And I think, I mean, that's possibly the problem. He tried to, he tried to get the young guns that were coming through. And, and it was all, it was always in the, in the midfield and attacking areas that we really were getting those, those potential guns. I mean, he did recruit Van Persie. He did recruit, um, Giroud. Um, and I guess, I guess San- Sanchez before he was a superstar, but he was still pretty high up there after that World Cup. So probably can't claim that one, but he, he did identify some good young talent. It's just, it's just whether or not 
that was that was enough to keep him ahead of the game because, as Dan said, by that stage, ten years into his into his coaching, other clubs have got wind of it and go, well, we need to get a lot more foreign players, make make the most of what's in Europe as, and also South America, and uh, and bring them across. So I think it was more the everyone else had caught up, and 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 I worry about the last five, six years and in, in Wenger's ability to bring on the youngsters because we, we also have grabbed guys from Southampton such as Theo and Ox and, and Callum Chambers as, and or young guns and I'm not sure any of them came on as much as they promised under under Wenger. Yeah, this is the, the puzzle, mm. you know, the sort of enigma that exists and that he was such an innovator and then, as we say, then it just seems to, after the other teams, the other competitors caught up and he just didn't, he just didn't adapt and evolve. Because um, the other thing has to be brought up is the injury record of his teams after, after that invincible, uh, after that invincible team, um, after their time. There were definitely problems with the the training regimen and what was going on because Arsenal's injury record became became a standing joke, um, which is which is also difficult to to fathom. When, as you say, if he brought in he brought in all current and relevant uh, thinking at the time, why why was it not evolved and why did they not keep up? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I like your point too, Con, about when he brought in Vieira Petit, especially those those two, especially they were really raw when he brought them in, and Elka really raw. Um, That's right. And so, so you're exactly right. He did seem to be able to develop them in his early years, and and I remember seeing Petit play in his first year. I think Vieira hit the ground a bit, running a bit better, but Petit I remember playing his first year, and he was horrible. And I was going, oh my god, who is this guy? Took him a long time to adjust, but once he got going, he was an absolute superstar. Um, I, I just want to touch upon his legacy. When I look at a manager's legacy, I think one of the things that a manager always should aim to do is leave the club in a better position than when he started. And I mentioned we were we were twelfth when he took over, two games clear of relegation. We we were basically a just a typical English club with a, a smallish ground and went very professional. And yeah, you could, you, you wouldn't be surprised if to see a club like that sort of in 10 years potentially trickle down and, and be, be, in, be in danger. And so, so he's gone, he's taken them, he's gone fifth in his first year, third in his second. And then he's, and then the, look at this run. He's gone first, second, 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 first, second, first, second. Over those years, and with with a number of FA and League Cup victories in that period, and then and then the rest of the period, it's been fourth, fourth, third, fourth, third, fourth, third, fourth, fourth, third, second, fifth, and then sixth or seventh this year. But you can't argue that we're not in a better state. I mean, the players that we've got in the team are good enough to be challenging in for the for the top four I'll say I'm not sure for the top two yet but it's and the club financially structurally it's set up amazingly strong possibly the strongest in England so that legacy that he has set up is I mean that and that's an amazing legacy to, to leave I would say he's he's brought forth the club from an average but successful English club to some one with amazing stability and it's set up for the future and and his record has been amazing if you look at it in totality if you look at that first 10 years it was probably the the second best period in arsenal's football football history yeah i agree indeed as you say it's it's got to be looked at uh in context and as you say he came in at, at a time where there was massive instability at the club that had this that had a manager for uh, for for a season in Bruce Riach, um, there were big plans from the board, um, and as we've and as we've seen even recently, those those are difficult times for a manager to come in. 
and set up the sort of sustainable legacy that he has done. So for that, there has to be massive, massive credit and, and respect for. I just think these days, you know, there tends to be just sort of the counting of the titles won and it becomes sort of, you know, quite, quite binary as to what was done. And then, you know, people will look back and say, well, he only won three league titles. He didn't win a European trophy. Um, he has won a, num a certain number of FA Cups, which I won't mention. Um, I, I still count them as, I still count the FA Cup as a, as a great competition to win. But you would because you're in the semi-finals and you've got nothing else to play for. Mate. No, because it's the best cup, <laughs> best cup competition in the world. Um, yeah. But there you go. If, if you know if people break it down to the numbers, they'll say, oh, it was three league titles and some FA Cups. Um, yeah. But it has to be looked at in its whole entirety. Um, he, was, he was unfortunately up against that, that Barcelona team which which is possibly the best club side ever certainly one of the best um you know no, nobody was able to nobody was able to beat them um so that's why I say you know let's let's look at it with a, with a bit of context um but people you know, that's just a natural thing. People will count to things and say, you know, George Graham won two league titles, I think it is, with Arsenal. Yeah, I, I think the thing Wenger's legacy will all also have in terms of English football is that he did revol revolutionise it during that period. And and English football may not be what it is today without him. If he hadn't have come across, we, if that was during a bit of an evolutionary period of world football and... And Italian football and Spanish football, that, that they were known as the beautiful leagues to watch, that they were possibly ranked ahead of the English Premier League. Definitely. They were the ones where, yeah, and, and there was, that, that's where all the money was. That's where all the stars were playing. And if Wenger hadn't have come over and brought these young stars who he turned into world superstars, would other clubs have followed suit? And, and it might have, it might have taken another 10 years before we, they, uh, the English, teams actually started getting foreign managers and foreign players in. And by that stage, the English Premier League may not be as powerful as it is today. It might just be a ter tertiary league still running around and the, and the Spanish leagues and Italian leagues are still dominant. So he probably he probably gave the English Premier League a massive boost by what he did. And they, 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 all, probably, they all probably should thank him. Yeah. No, and and that's, that's why to that yeah. point, that, that's why to that point, I think Wenger will be remembered fondly by most supporters because of what he, he did to the actual game. You know, when someone affects the game as he did, you know, not just about the numbers he achieved, but actually changed the way in which it was, you know, it was being conducted in that country at that time. You, you, you tend to forget or sorry, you tend to remember the fact that there was more, more to him than just what he achieved, as Dan said. And that's why I say there's, there cannot be anyone that takes anything away from him in those first 10 years. And, you know, even over his legacy, he should be, he should be remembered fondly. He should be respected and he should be remembered for, for everything he brought to English football. And, um, I suppose given the, uh, given the send off that he deserves for, for what he achieved. And I think if I was an Arsenal fan, I'll, I'll, I definitely, uh, Fixed my mind on those first ten years, and never forget what Wenger had done for for the club and for English football as a whole. Yeah, he was definitely a revolutionary in that way, and I mean, you know, that was still the early days of of the Premier League. And as as Pat said, that was a major growth phase for the Premier League in terms of becoming the the eminent league in, in world football. Um, and every league always needs a rivalry for it to grow. If you think of any any sport at any time, it's the major rivalries that that draw attention to it, whether it's the Celtics and the Lakers and the basketball heydays, or if it's uh, Borg McEnroe and tennis. You know, that's that's what gets that's what gets viewers and gets the media going. Um, and in the Premier League, it was Arsenal and United. 
you know there was no other team that that were able to to match United's dominance over that period. Uh, so, so for that there has to be there has to be massive respect because that Arsenal United and the Wenger Ferguson rivalry was something that really kicked off the Premier League and and, and got it going. Um, so those you know those teams pushing each other made the league better and drew a lot of attention to the likes of the owners then who wanted to come in at Chelsea and the other clubs. Well, I think we all agree, Arsene Wenger, thank you for what you've done in English football and football in general and and respect. And now moving on to our next segment, which is in contrast, it is our Wanker of the Week segment. Yes, what the football wanker of the week. Now, I've, I've got someone. I've got someone who you guys will very much like, but oh, well, you, you who kick, wants to kick it? You kick it off then. Okay, I'll kick it off. So, it was a big... Well, first of all, I'll ask Con, can you watch any good movies lately? <laughs> uh, we, we don't want to know what I movies Con watches, one. please. <laughs> I guess so, this is, yeah... There's not a question you really want the answer to. <laughs> nah, it is a bit rhetorical. Thank you, Con. I know it would be good. Um, but yes, I, I have. It, I, I saw a Thor Ragnarok the other day. I don't know if you get that in, in, in South Africa or, or if you've seen it, Con, in Australia yet. Yeah, um, it, it, it's, it's quite a funny, entertaining movie. And so I watched that one, quite enjoyed it, and then I thought I'd turn on, turn on another show on Friday night. It was... Thor Ragnarok Lavan. <laughs> and and listen, it was it was almost it was just as entertaining that show, and it was a, a movie which ended ended. It started off. It looked like the the baddies were going to win, as most of these movies do. <coughs> uh, Liverpool up were two 0 up quite early, and then uh, and then the, the good guys, the good guys came back, and, and they and they levelled to all, and and fantastic. It was a really Good twist at the end, and and my wanker of the week is actually not Thor Ragnar Klavan. It is actually his manager Jurgen Klopp, oh. who, who and he's 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 made a few really bad statements the last couple of weeks. I've been disappointed in the Costa, and I know where his, you're going with this. His his response about West Brom's comeback was useless comeback. Comeback. I don't think that point will help West Brom massively. It is a complete waste of points. They don't need it. <laughs> we would have needed it. And and and, and that what and that statement about? actually, I want to I want to call out uh, our loyal listener Monu. Thanks Monu for nominating that as wanker of the week. That is definitely a wanker. So West Brom, <laughs> how dare they get a point? Liverpool needed it more than them. It was basically tops. <laughs> so Con, what do you? About that. Yeah, oh, what, what did Liverpool need the points a, for? <laughs> valid point, yeah. I, I, I can't defend the indefensible. That is a, I'll add to that, and that he said, um, he then went on some crap about the watering of the pitch, and the pitch being so dry, it made it impossible to play. It was just a whole lot of things he said, and I think, yeah, you can't uh, get around it, Pat. It's a weird one. <laughs> okay, Con, do you have one? I do. Look, I've been wanting to call this guy out for a while now. And, um, you know, we didn't have it. We didn't have the podcast last week. And there were a couple of ones that popped up afterwards. I don't know if anybody saw the, the Man City video that was doing the rounds <laughs> after they won the title. Oh my goodness. That was cringeworthy to the highest form. Clap, clap probably, your hands. Probably shows where, have to clap your hands. Oh my goodness. Probably. Shows where the game is headed with some of these clubs and the crap we have to put up with. But um, I still have to call this guy out. I mean, 
I thought he was a wanker. Just the way it went about. And I suppose maybe it was the way that the media painted it all and Mimi started popping up everywhere about him in his desperate attempt to, to win the golden boot. And, um, or should I say the, uh, number one striker in the EPL? I mean, Harry Kane for me. <laughs> My God, that was just the most painful exercise I've ever been through. I mean, Let's let's say the ball brushed an eyelash and it went in and he, he claims it touched him. He's an honest lad, as his manager said. And if he said he touched it, then he touched it. I just thought um, the whole fiasco of claiming that goal and going to a review panel and checking it and, uh, was just... Uh, but he got given the goal. No, for me, there's no bigger wanker. I, I know he got given the goal, but Sorry. it was more the process behind the whole thing that just made him a wanker and the desperation in him ultimately, to um, to actually try and get get above Salah in the whole thing, in the whole fiasco. And I think if you look at it from there, you know, he's um, he's been trying everything to to finish on top ahead of Salah. So for me, that whole move, and I don't even know if it actually did touch him. He was given the he was given the goal. It did it brush the top of his uh, his shirt and go in. So so you're saying so you're saying somebody shouldn't. Have the right of appeal to that committee. I think in the position that he was in, what the fact that had no, the fact that it wasn't clearly seen at the time, and the fact that it was probably the merest of touches on the shirt that was blowing in the in the wind, ultimately for me makes it just the most ridiculous scenario ever. I, I don't mind him actually claiming it. I mean, he's probably got twenty percent bonus riding on. Finishing in, in the or winning the golden boot, so it's just just part of you had a bonus system at your work and and you got something which no one was giving you credit for. You'd, you'd be appealing that. But what I what I didn't like was the lengths he went to in terms of swearing on his what was it swearing on his yeah, his, his niece's life or something like that. Something really over the top. I mean that that shows a lack of perspective. Um, Completely. Yeah, good, nice one, Con. Nice one, Dan. Well, I think the wankers have got to be the Liverpool players who all went onto social media <laughs> just for Harry Kane appealing for a goal that he believed that he that he scored. <laughs> you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> why don't they just Why don't they just leave it? As he's as he's saying, Con, you say it's not a major thing. Well, then just leave it. If he feels he got oh, it. I think it was the, I think it was the, de- it was just the desperation in the man. You know, you got a winger, you got a winger outstripping him, scoring more goals oh, um, in the league I've seen in a while. And old Harry is uh, about to lose. Hasn't he won it the last three years, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, man. Is I'm that just, correct? Does anybody know? I'm just having a go. I'd, we, we missed, we missed the week when that Buffon thing erupted because I was definitely, I was definitely nominating Buffon because he went he went ridiculous when they got knocked Not out. Not the of, ref. Yeah, <laughs> he went ridiculous with his statements and which was then followed up by death threats made to the referee's wife and all that. I don't obviously he he said stuff in the heat of moment, but still today I don't think he's come out and said okay, listen. Um, and he as as for Buffon himself, he definitely does not have a spotless. Record, so mm. yeah. Neither, neither do neither do Juventus as a club. Well, you're right, Dan. He's never come out. He's actually stood by his words. I think I saw an article last week, and he said, "I don't, um, I don't stand down from anything I've said. I fully think the ref did this and that." So he's not backing down at all. Yeah, no. So for me, it's when we, we we're talking about legacies. For me, he's he's tainting. What is it? What is the legacy as being one of the best goalkeepers of definitely the the modern the modern era? Um, you know, he missed out on a World Cup, and there was all this sort of sorrow for him, like he has to be on the World Cup. And you know, and I sort of feels like he he's got some undeniable right to be in the next round of the Champions League. Uh, and look, and the best part is looking at the referees made the correct call, from what I yeah. can see. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm nominating Buffon. 
Great. That's a much better nomination than the last couple of weeks, Dan. <laughs> You're getting there, mate. You're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, guys. We've got to wrap up. We're at the end of our time. So thanks for your time. Oh. And uh, what are, are we going to get your... the answer to the trivia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, He's I so know the, uh, the, I know Arsenal got seven FAs. Seven FAs. As I was cups. researching it the other night. You mean um, you were researching I, five minutes ago? I wouldn't have a clue on Tottenham. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say seven semi-final losses to match up with Arsenal's. Fair. I know the answer to this one, Dan. I'll give it to you us. You might be uh, finally, finally have some. We finally answered your trivia. No, I made they've it. Lost eight consecutive. They've lost eight consecutive semi-finals. Yeah, that's correct. I made it nice and friendly for you guys. You know, gotta gotta keep you. Woo-hoo! You know, <laughs> gotta keep <laughs> string, right, stringing you guys along. Gotta keep stringing you guys along. <laughs> hey, special uh, shout out! Special shout out before you go. Did anybody see uh, the PFA Players Play of the Year? Who it went to? Just checking. None other than Mo Salah. Yeah, come. Yeah, he's won the PFA Players of the Year. You said you said Firmino has been better this season. Well, did you see where he finished number one? I don't know if you saw that. He did finish number one in something. I'll let you think about that and give the answer next week. Number one in something. Okay. Cons trivia. Wake cons trivia. Everyone's everyone's number one and something. And as a reminder, you can find us at facebook.com slash WT Football Podcast or on Twitter at WT underscore football. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider giving us some encouragement by following us, leaving a comment or your nomination for Wanker of the Week, or even becoming a patron via our Podbean site all of which will help us to continually improve our content and quality. We look forward to catching you all next week on What The Football. Football. Football.